All right, guys, if you have your Bibles, I'd like you to turn to Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, we're going to continue in our study of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 6. And we're going to continue on in what I have classified as the third section of Romans, where really Paul is talking about the lifestyle that we should be living out of our salvation, and really, ultimately, why this is why I told her that entitled it a new mindset, a new way of thinking that you and I need to have about this grace that He's given us. Now, what are you talking about, George? Well, if you remember, when we went through Romans, starting in the very beginning, Paul basically is helping us to understand that the just shall live by faith. So he tries to explain that to you and I. What does it mean to live by faith? So he starts off first by showing us in chapter 1 through midway through chapter 3 that all the world is condemned. Nobody has a leg to stand on. Gentiles, their nations, are declined. They're doing their own thing, thinking they're better. They don't have a leg to stand on. The moralist, the person that would judge other people and say, I can't believe that they're doing that, while they themselves are thinking that or doing that themselves are judged. And then there's the Jew that is judged because he has God's word, but he doesn't live up to God's word. He should be teaching others. He's judged. And then finally, Paul's saying everyone is judged because no one seeks after God. But then there's Jesus. So that brought us to our second section, which is the reality that it's not about you and I. It's about Jesus. Salvation has nothing to do with you. Do you remember? I've, I've shared that with you many times. It has nothing to do with you. It's because of Christ and your faith in him. It's not how good you are, how smart you are. It doesn't have anything to do with any of that. It has to do with what Jesus did for you. It's not about you. It's about him. And because of that, you and I are accepted by him. We're justified before him. Not just that, we are now reconciled to him. The relationship between you and the Father has been reconciled because of Jesus. And, and the reality is, is that even though you're a sinner, where sin exists, grace abounds even more. Then that brings us to the third point. Well, okay, well, how do I live in that? Because... There's two wrong assumptions about this. We kind of talked about that two weeks ago. There's the people who think, well, your grace just makes, allows people, kind of downplays the seriousness of sin. And then there's the other extreme which says, no, yeah, grace is there. I can do whatever I want to. I can sin as much as I want to because grace abounds more. And, and Paul says, they're both wrong. That the reality is, is that because you've been saved, you're not just to continue in sin. There's actually another way. There's another reality. And that's what he's been opening up to us, is this new reality. So let me just kind of point out two things here that he talked about. We looked at it last week. Here's the first one that you and I need to remind ourselves. And, and, and this is the reality. And here, as I'm looking at this, I'm thinking about when I got saved in 1985 in that little bitty independent Baptist church in West Columbia, South Carolina. And I understood about Jesus dying for me and I understood about giving my life to him. 
and I understood about forgiveness, but nobody said anything to me about this. But here it is right here in the Scripture. What does it say? First of all, the old you with its sinful nature died the moment you were saved. The moment, the instant that you gave your heart to Christ, you ceased to exist. The old you that operated by its sinful desires, being guided by that sinful nature, that old you died. And in its place, you became a new creature, a new creation, Paul will say in other places. And so that changed. Here's the other thing that changed. The new reality is that you are no longer enslaved to sin. You're no longer enslaved to the power of sin. Well, you say, I still sin. Yes, you still sin. But the power of sin in your life has been broken. What does that mean, George? Well, it means you can say no to it. The power of sin is not in someone else's hands. It's in your hands. And you are the one who can say no to it or yes to it. And sadly, most of us, because of ignorance, just continue to say what to it? Yes. We just continue to keep doing the same thing, having the same attitudes. In fact, we've gotten good at it, haven't you? How? Because we make excuses about our attitudes and the way we act and the way we carry on. We make excuses. Well, don't you know that's just the way I am? Don't you know? Have you not met my parents? It was passed on. Meet my mother. You'll understand why I am. Well, there is some legitimacy to that statement, but, but the reality is we pass on our sinfulness, but we make excuses for it. But we don't have to make excuses. When you come to Jesus, the old you died. And now you can live in that freedom. But for most of us, can I be honest with you? We don't have any clue about what that freedom means. When I say something like that the power of sin has been broken in your life, you can sit there and say, wow, that's interesting. But what does that mean for me practically, George? That's a nice principle. That's a nice idea there. Well, what does that mean? How does that fleshed out in my everyday life? Because I, I don't see... I don't see the reality of that. The old me has died? Well, I really can't tell. I'm looking at me getting older in the mirror. You know what I'm saying? And, and the reality is, is I feel like I'm still the same guy. But you're not. And that's where we come to Romans chapter 6. Really in three short verses, he's going to give us a lot of truth here. He's going to talk to us about a principle and a plan of action. Because the fact of the matter is, can I be honest with you, because this is what I find as I'm pastoring, I've been pastoring a long time now, I find that most Christians are defeated. Now, they don't walk around with a badge on or a T-shirt that says, I'm defeated. No, when you come to church, you kind of have to look good and you look like you got it together. But the reality is, is if we're honest with ourselves, we don't have it together. We're a mess. 
And so when you hear Paul saying that the old you has died, you're broken, the power of sin has been broken in your life, now live differently, you're like, okay, that's wonderful, but how? So he's going to give us a principle, and he's going to give us a plan of action. So let's look at these three verses together, okay? Here's what he says in verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, your members and your members to God as instruments of righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under grace. All right, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to see, first of all, verse 12, he's going to give us a principle here. Here's the principle that you and I need to grasp, okay? We're going to talk about having a new mindset, okay? So if I understand where I was, I was going nowhere, I was headed to hell, Jesus came and died, I embraced him. With that embracing him, I've been accepted by God, I'm justified, I am reconciled to him. Grace is more abounding to me than my sin. How do I live in that? Well, I recognize that I, uh, that the power of sin has been broken, the old me. Now, how do I, what's the principle that I need to see here? Here it is, first thing. Don't let the power of sin have control of your body. Don't let the power of sin... Well, I thought the old man died. Yes, the old man died, but he left behind something. The old man died, but he left behind something. What did he leave behind? He left behind a physical body that didn't change the moment you got saved. A physical body that you trained in what? Sin. Okay, sin. So, I'll give you an example. This, I just recently went through this. I, I think it was about three or four months ago. I made a big decision as far as my drinking habits. I made another big decision this morning. I won't tell you about that one. But I will tell you about the one that I made three to four months ago. I decided to quit drinking diet soda. Okay? Now, why'd you do that, George? Well, part of it is, as I'm getting older, I was finding that I wasn't, I wasn't as sharp in my thinking. And so I did some investigating and looked at artificial sweeteners and stuff, and I realized, oh, that, that can be a problem. So I decided to give that up. So here's what happens. I, I realized after I decided to give it up and I walk away from it, you then realize that here after all these years of drinking it, I had trained my body to enjoy it. So for the first two to three weeks, my body is like craving what? Diet pop. And, and my body, and it was kind of funny because my body then affects my mind. So if I'm driving around in Clearfield and there's a sheets, my body is saying, pull into the sheets. Two for whatever. It's a deal. You guys are laughing because you understand, right? Is that the old me? No, no, it has nothing to do with the old me. It has to do with my body. 
and the power of sin in my body controlling me. See, the old you died. You understand? The old sin nature is gone. But the problem is, is you've been training your body for years in what? Sin. So he says, look at what he says in verse 12. It's very interesting. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body. Don't let sin have control in your body. Don't let the power of sin control your body. That's the first step. The first step to live in this freedom that we have is decisions. Decisions. Making a choice. So I got through those three weeks. Wow. Choosing something different. Do you understand what I'm saying? Choosing a different drink. Choosing something else to drink. Water or tea. Something. Okay? Just making a different decision. Whatever the issue is in your life, whatever the sin issue is, and you know what they are in your life. I don't need to know them. You know what they are. They're the things you struggle with. And you're like, will I ever overcome this? Then tell your body no. Tell it no. Make a different decision. Why? Because here's the second thing I want you to see as we look at the principle. The power of sin causes you to obey its strong desires. The power of sin causes you to obey its strong desires. Look, if you understand that, you'll understand when you deal with people with addictions... Have you ever noticed that folks with addictions, they sometimes will do well for a season and then they, quote, fall off the wagon? Or they fall back into it? Now they're brokenhearted, they're they're wrecked by it, and they want to do better again. Have you ever ever met people? Am I the only one that meets people like this? We see that in our lives. We see people who do well for a moment and then they fall. What's going on? The problem is, is they gave in to what? The power of sin in their bodies and it what? It caused them to obey the strong desires that it unleashed. And guess what happens when they did it? They were brokenhearted. In fact, here's the interesting thing. I wish I had known this when I first got saved. What do you mean? You know, one of the most common things that happens with with a new believer when they first get saved is, is that they wrestle with the assurance of their salvation. You ever met people? Always, I never see older saints wrestle with the assurance of their salvation. It's typically somebody who's new to the faith. They will wrestle with wondering, am I really saved or not? Do you understand? Am I really saved or not? Have you met people like that? I've met people like that through the years in ministry. And then when you talk to them about it, why is it that you're wrestling? You came to him by faith. You gave your life to him. Why is it that you think you're not saved? Here's what they typically will say to me. I keep struggling with this same sin, whatever it is. And because they keep giving in to the same sin, they think that somehow they're not what? Saved. And I think about that and I thought, man, 
Wouldn't it not been better to come alongside of them from with God's word to show them and to help them to see that the, the power of sin has been broken, but now they shouldn't let it what control them to what give in to those desires. You and I need to quit giving in. That's the principle. Now, how do we do that? Well, that's the plan of action now. What we see in verses 13 and 14 is a plan of action. Let me read to you verse 13. Here's what he says. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Verse 14, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law, but under what? Grace. All right, so here's what I want you to see. Here's the plan of action. Four things, okay? Number one, don't allow your body to become an instrument of unrighteousness. You've got to decide, okay, I'm, I'm freed, I have freedom, the power of sin is broken, the old me, I'm a new person now. You have to decide, I am not going to allow myself to become an instrument of unrighteousness. Now here's what that means, to become an instrument of unrighteousness. It means you're not going to allow your body to just keep doing what it wants to do and sin. You're going to stop whatever the issue is in your life. So can we recognize that? All of you have issues. You are not perfect. Now, your issue is completely different than your issue. My issue is completely different than the person in the back. Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, some of us may have the same issues, but the problem is that they're all unique to us, right? They're the things that destroy us. They destroy our relationship with each other. They're the things that destroy our relationship with the Lord. Not that you can completely destroy that, but it hinders that. It's the stuff that we struggle with. Now, what I need to do is, is when I have a plan of action where I know I don't need to give in to the body anymore, I don't need to give in to that power of sin, you don't allow your body, when he talks about instruments, what is he talking about? Your arms, your legs, your eyes. Don't let the members of your body become what? Instruments to what? Unrighteousness. Sin. You've got to decide to stop. Do you understand? It starts there. It just isn't going to happen on its own. This is what I think so much about that is the problem with the way that we present Christianity. So much of what we think it is, and I grew up in a tradition where we had an altar. And for the earlier years of my ministry, we had the altar open. Come and pray and seek God, or whatever. And, and people would come, and they would come, and I thought it was interesting, as a young man studying and everything, the same guy would come down every week, giving the same sin over and over and over again to God. What was there? An expectation that if he came, God would somehow clean up that issue. Did he clean it up? Not in the people that I've seen. What did it require? Action on the part of that person to what? 
stop? Is it possible that God could just take away that desire? Yes. Does he do that all the time? No. Why? The power of sin's been broken. You have to do it. Do you understand? So don't allow your body to become an instrument of unrighteousness. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Here, And this is interesting because he points this out in another passage. Give yourself to God as an instrument of righteousness. Give yourself to God. Look at what he says there in verse 13. I think it's interesting. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. The issue is, is I'm not going to give myself to sin. Rather, I'm going to give myself to God. And this is something that he encourages us to do. How do I know that? Well, if you go over a few pages, Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You go over to Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Paul writes, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Again, he's telling you, what do you do? I don't, I'm not going to give myself to doing the things I know I shouldn't be doing. I'm going to give it to God. Why? Because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to give it to God. Now, here's the thing. You say, well, does that make a difference? Yes, because Romans chapter 12, verse 1 tells us that how God views you and I giving ourselves to him, he sees it as, are you ready for this, holy and acceptable. It's the right thing to do. You giving yourselves, giving yourselves to doing what you should be doing, which is what? Not giving yourself to sin. Because you've been freed from it. Freed from it. So now look, what, what does he tell us in verse 14? Again, he's going to tell you something again. Getting back to the mind, okay? Getting back to the mind, here's what he says in verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you. Here's the next thing I want you to see, third thing. Remember that the power of sin has no control over you. <clears throat> the power of sin has no control over you. You say, I don't know if I agree with that, George. Because I'm wrestling with the same sin habit forever. And it defeats me. It destroys me. It's destroying people around me. I need to stop. But I can't. I can't. I can't. It's just too strong. It's too strong, George. Listen to me. I want you to hear me. This is not me telling you this. This is God's word telling you this. God's word is saying to you, for sin will have no dominion over you. He'll have no control over you. You and I need to remember that. You need to make a decision. Sometimes what needs to happen is, is that you need to make a decision. 
You need to decide, okay, from this point on, I'm done. And I can do this. Why? Not because of yourself. So let's just stop. Let's answer it real quick here. Is it because you and what you can do and how great you are? It has nothing to do with you. Again, remember, it has nothing to do with you. It has to do with who? Who's it have to do with, folks? Jesus. And the spirit that he gave you. God will always call you to do things you can't do on your own. Do you understand what I'm saying? But what he will do is when you make that decision to choose to obey, to choose to no longer give yourself to sin, the Spirit is right there empowering you to do it. But you have to recognize that the power of sin has no control over you. You have the... the you know where the power is? With you. What kind of power? It's the power of choice. Yes and no. Yes and no. But for some of us, we just cruise on cruise control. We don't even make that decision anymore. We just kind of go along with the flow. You don't have to. Is it going to be hard? Yeah, it's going to be hard. But you'll get through the withdrawals. And you'll be on the other end of it. And you'll never want it again. How do you know that? Well, I look at my own life. Okay, 1985, April of 1985, came to Christ. At, at that point when I came to Christ, I was smoking two packs or more a day of cigarettes. Within a week, I stopped. God's Spirit was convicting me about that habit, and I decided to stop smoking cigarettes. And, and I'll be honest with you, I probably, I remember for that first year, caving. I would call it a giving in. What I, I remember, I remember exactly. I was at the University of South Carolina. It was between classes. I was at the student union building, the big building that it was. I went into the, into the little store. They have a store there for kids to buy, you know, convenience store or whatever. I went in there and I bought a pack of Marlboros. And I bought my pack of Marlboros and I went out and I sat on, they had a little, little wall there. I could still picture myself. I'm sitting on the wall. There's a garbage can right over here. I'm sitting on the wall and I take out that first cigarette. It's been, it's been several months now. It's probably been six months and I'm like, okay, just this one cigarette. Okay. So I smoke it and halfway down and I get convicted and I stamp it out and I take that pack, crush it and I threw it in the garbage. That would happen maybe one other more time. Within a couple of years, I was completely done. The mental thing, the mental desire for it took four years. And here I am, 30-some years later, and if I'm around somebody smoking a cigarette, I want to throw up. Because it's just that terrible to me, the smell. What got me to do that? The power of choice and the strength of the Holy Spirit to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that's what he's telling you. Remember that the power of sin has no control over you. Now, here's the second thing you and I need to do, is that you are no longer bound to the old system of the law, but to the new life of grace. Look at what he says there, verse 14. He says, well, don't let sin have any control over you, for sin will have no dominion over you. Here's why sin no longer has dominion over you. 
since you are not under the law, but under grace. You want to know the surest way to get you to do something? I can be a pretty powerful guy to get you to do something. You're like, oh, no, you can't get me to do anything. Oh, yeah. All I have to do is tell you what not to do. If I just said to you, stop doing this. Write that down. Stop doing this. Think about that all week. Guess what you're going to do? What I told you to stop doing. Why? Because the law has a power that works with the power of a sin to what? Get you to what? Do what it wants you to do. You know that. When you come into town and you see the speed limit signs, what's the speed limit sign in Kerwinsville, folks? Anybody know? Or anybody care? 25. You know what it used to be with me when I'd see that 25 sign? I would be like, wow, we've speeding even more. Have you noticed that? Now, there is a stretch between here and Clearfield where it is 55, but there's no sign anywhere except right in Kerbinsville that it's 55. And here's what I find myself doing. I could go 55, and sometimes I do and more, depending on what's going on in Clearfield and what i got to get to. But there are times when I'm just cruising that I'm actually looking down at my speedometer and it says, you're doing 45, and there's nobody in front of you. Why? Because nobody's telling me what not to do, right? See, you're no longer bound to this old system of the law. What law? The Mosaic law. The moral law. You're not bound to that. Why? Because you've been raised to a new life of what? Grace. Grace. You say, okay, George, where, where were we going with this? What's, what's the whole purpose of our looking at three, three, three verses today? All right, here's what I want you to understand. Our whole purpose in going through Romans is to understand what you believe. And it's more than just that Jesus saves you for by and by later on. Can I be honest with you? If that's your only presentation of the gospel is you're not going to hell, it's a wonder that people aren't listening to you. Because when Jesus came, he came to give you life now, abundantly. And you can have an abundant life. But the thing that defeats us is what? What always defeats us in our lives, folks? Sin. Not somebody else's stuff, but your stuff. And that's what's going to destroy your lives. And it is destroying your lives, maybe destroying your health or whatever else, your relationships. But here's the thing. Paul's trying to tell you that now because of Christ, we have been reconciled with him. We are justified. And with that, the power of sin, the old you is dead. So what do we do with this? Start living differently. Well, how do I do that? Make the choice concerning the issues in your life. Make the choice. It, it's not up to me. I'm not going to be like, oh, next screen. There is no next screen. Uh, she knows that up there. And I've got this list of stuff that you need to do. 
to make a difference. Now, there is no next screen. Because for you to make a difference in your life isn't up to me to decide. It's up to who? God and the Spirit who's in you who knows what needs to change. But the point is, is Paul's saying to you, you can change. The old you is dead. The power of sin is broken. Now give yourself to who? God. And yield your instruments as what? Righteousness. And that is what? According to Romans chapter 12, that's holy and acceptable to him. Isn't that awesome? Now what are you going to do? You got a decision to make. Let's pray.